Good morning, everybody. I have some news to share with you uh, that I'm not sure if you guys received yet. But next Sunday, we're going to meet back in the sanctuary. Some of you are really excited about that. <laughs> and um, we're excited to move back into the sanctuary. And I want you to know that I honestly, I've enjoyed being out here. I love the warmth of the sun. Now, early in the morning, it's kind of cold when we come, but um, at this time of day, it is so beautiful. And I want to just take a moment to give a special shout-out and, and have you all join me in thanking the people that put up the tents and the chairs. And let's, let's just express our great appreciation. Those of you who do that in the morning, you know who you are. Take it all in. This is for you. <laughs> but uh, we do want to say... Mahalo Nui Loa. Thank you very much for your commitment to the church, your love for the church, and, and serving the body of Christ in this beautiful way. But next Sunday, we're going to all move back indoors, and we're excited about that. And, um, and we're going to uh, uh, continue on in this sermon series that we began at the start of this new year, going through the epistle for the uh, Philippians. <laughs> I cannot believe I do this every time. Children, you are this much to go to Sunday school. Oh, man, thank you for my wonderful reminders. Molly over there, get the kids out of here. <laughs> no. Thank you, kids. Enjoy. And then Auntie Renata is going to meet you right there. Wonderful. Like I said, uh, we're going to continue on in this sermon series through the epistle to the church in Philippi. And so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Philippians chapter 1. We're still there. But I want you to thumb back to Acts chapter 16. Because in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to just refer back to the story of when the Apostle Paul went to the church in Philippi for the very first time on his second missionary trip. And we find that story in Acts chapter 16. So just keep your, your thumb there. And I'm going to begin by reading the passage today, um, beginning at verse 3. And we're going to just go to verse 6, very short. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for us today. So we, we have this amazing passage here that the Apostle Paul is sharing this, his thanksgiving and his joy to the people in the church there in Philippi. Thanksgiving and joy, those two words, go hand in hand. They go so close together. And here, as the Apostle Paul shares his sentiment to the church uh, there in Philippi, he's full of this feeling of thanksgiving and joy. And I want to just give you an understanding or a feeling of what Paul is trying to get at here. You probably have in your life, as I do in mine, friends that you don't see very often. They, they live somewhere else, but there was a time when you guys were together. And when you were together, you spent a lot of time together. You shared life. You lived 
uh, and you, you maybe, you know, went on vacations together, you were in Bible study together, you grew up together, whatever it was. You have friends like that, but you're not together anymore. But the moment there's a trip and you guys come back together, even though it's been a long time since you've seen one another, when you come back together, it's like you never left, right? You pick up right where you left off. The feelings of love and joy, thanksgiving and joy are there. You're so thankful for people like that in your life. Amen, church? You guys have people like that in your life? Say amen. Amen? amen. How about you guys online? Amen? All right, I see those hands. <laughs> I, I have people like that in my own life. This is, this is the heart of what the Apostle Paul begins his letter with to the, to the church there in Philippi. What is so unique about this letter is that pa the Apostle Paul doesn't have the same relationships with other churches that he writes letters to like he does with this church here in Philippi. And so this is a very special and loving relationship here that um, the Apostle Paul has with this church here in Philippi. They are close friends, but they're separated. But he, but he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you, and when I pray, I pray with joy. So the Apostle Paul has these cherished memories of this church in Philippi. He remembers the love that they shared with him. He remembers the hospitality that he received from them. But I think the thing that brought the most joy to Paul about the church is how they responded to God's work there in Philippi. What God did in their lives, and, and, and the Apostle Paul witnessed that, and, and he cherishes what God did in their lives. And so if you have your thumb in Acts chapter 16, I invite you to go and turn there. And in Acts chapter 16, when Paul goes into Philippi, the first person he meets on, on, on the Sabbath day is Lydia. She, she's a merchant of fine purple uh, material. And, and he, he begins to, to, to go and share Christ with this, this gathering of Jewish people. And, and, and her heart is moved. She responds to the gospel message that the Apostle Paul shares as he, as he, as he goes into Philippi. And because of, of her response, she invites them to be a part of her family and her life. In fact, the Bible says that when she opened her heart and believed, she was baptized, her and her family, and she invited Paul and those with him to her home. That's, that's some beautiful, warm hospitality, right? I mean, how, I've been here for how long, and I still haven't been to some of your home. Oh, I'm just kidding! You guys got to come to my house too, right? Those four places. But how beautiful is that? He comes into town, shares the good news, and as Lydia and her family, their heart open, she opens her home and invites them. That's warmth and fellowship. That's beautiful. You read on in Acts chapter 16, and he meets this girl who has a spirit in her that allows her to predict the future, and, and people take advantage of that, right? They... they and, and, and she, uh, they, they employ her to work, and she makes a lot of money for them. And, and I'm not going to go into the details, but Paul casts that spirit out of her. So the people lose their opportunity for riches. And they go and complain, and as a result, Paul and Silas gets arrested and thrown in jail. 
But this is where we meet the jailer, right? Paul and Silas are in jail. So when I think of being in jail, I, I said this the last time, you know, they open up the pen, they put you in there, and then they lock the, the, the doors, but you're free to walk around in jail, in prison. Not here. Here, you're shackled inside the prison, all right? That's what it says. There's, there's a locked door, and they're shackled. And the, the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing. They were worshiping God. And then an earthquake took place. An earthquake happened. The dungeon doors came open, and their shackles came off. And, and you can only imagine, right, back in those days, no electricity. So they're in the darkness. The jailer runs in, kind of sees that the doors are open, and thinking to himself, all the prisoners are left. They, 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 they fled. He's about to kill himself. That's what the Bible says. He's about ready to take his own life because he is responsible for all of them. And if they're gone, then, then he's just as well gone as well too. But in the darkness, in the darkness, Paul's voice comes through and it says, Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We're all here. <laughs> Don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer, he calls for lights. And they, they rush in. And listen to this. They fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So I read this passage two weeks ago. But I want to just pause right here and, and share with you something profound that, that I pray impacts your life as it has mine. Right here in this passage here in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul and Silas, their lives and their witness to this jailer is so powerful that not a word was spoken on behalf of Jesus to this jailer for this jailer to come in and want to be saved. What a witness, right? Because there's no mention of a prior contact. It doesn't say anything that Paul shared the gospel. Paul was such a different kind of prisoner in jail. Just his witness, right? When the, when, the, when the doors flew open, he didn't run away. Right? You would have thought, oh, it's my chance. Let's get out of here, right? And, and if it would be, I'd run because I, I shouldn't have been there in the first place. But Paul is in jail. And most people that are in jail, I'm sure they're hardened criminals or angry people. Paul's joyful. What does he do when he's in jail? He is singing at midnight, worshiping God. He is so different. His witness is so powerful. Without any words, just his witness and the work of the Holy Spirit, this brought the jailer to want to know Jesus and be saved. Isn't that amazing? You know how we know this? Let's read on. Verse 31 there in Acts chapter 16. So, the jailer in verse 30, he, he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Listen to verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. Then they, then they began to share. This person's life was transformed by just the witness and the life that the Apostle Paul lived in front of others there in prison. That's amazing. That is amazing. And then, listen for the hospitality now in verse 33. And then at that hour of the night, you know it's after midnight, right? Sometime between midnight and four in the morning. I don't know what time it is, but it's early in the morning. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy. There's that word, joy. Because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. What an amazing, amazing story this is. When the Apostle Paul first goes into the city there in Philippi. The Apostle Paul was welcomed into the jailer's house, where the jailer washed his wounds, opened his home, introduced his family to them, and shared a meal. The Apostle Paul went from prisoner to being an honored guest. But more than the hospitality that was shared with the Apostle Paul, the thing that just sends it over the top is how the people there in Philippi responded to the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. And with all that in his mind, as he's writing this letter, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers. I pray with joy. This is the joy of the Apostle Paul. So church, can I just tell you this? We're all witnesses. Every, if people know that you believe in Jesus, you're a witness no matter what. You're either going to be a great witness or a terrible one. <laughs> but we're all living our lives in such a way where our lives should speak for Jesus. If we talk about Jesus, then we ought to live for Jesus as well too. And so, if we look at the Apostle Paul's example to us, may our witness be one that maybe even without words, people could believe in Jesus because of how we live our lives. That's amazing. And so, I want to point you to the very next thing that I just find amazing. i got to stop using the word amazing because you use it so much, after a while it's not amazing anymore, right? <laughs> Help me if you can think of another word for amazing. But this is amazing right here. <laughs> how in the world, how in the world can the Apostle Paul have joy in this moment? Don't forget that when Paul is writing this letter, he is in a Roman prison awaiting possible execution. Right? 
he's pretty much waiting to hear whether or not he's going to live or die. And yet, when he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's filled with joy. How is that? Put yourself in that position. Or, you don't even have to put yourself in that position. Look at the position that you are right now in life. Do you have joy? If you're not if you're not on a death sentence waiting to die, <laughs> as he is, are you struggling still to find joy? That's why I find it so, here we go again, amazing that the Apostle Paul can write this letter and have so much joy. What a powerful example of how to live with joy in your life despite what is going on in your life. And there's a great lesson to be learned here of the Apostle Paul's witness to you and to me right now. His witness to us and how we can live our lives with joy. So the question that I have for you is are you experiencing the joy of Jesus in your life right now? If you are, it's probably because things are going really well for you, right? Oh, Pastor Gordon, I just got a raise and my wife bought me some brand new golf clubs. Woohoo! <laughs> there is some joy right there. Amen. But if that's not your story, you're struggling to find work, or you got into an automobile accident, you got some bad news, maybe somebody in your life that you really care about is not doing well. Could be anything in life. Do you have joy? Can you have joy? The answer is obviously yes. If the Apostle Paul, facing a death sentence, can have joy, church, you and I, regardless of what you're going through, we can experience the joy that the Apostle Paul wants to share with us. And you know what the prescription for this joy is? Even as he faces a death sentence... The prescription is right here in the Word of God. He, he, he shows it to us, but I'll tell you what it is. The prescription is to fix your thoughts, your attention, your eyes, and your heart on God's faithfulness. To not look only at yourself and your own needs. And when you learn to look beyond yourself, you will see something that can bring joy to your life. Remember this, that even though you might be going through some hard times, God is still at work. God didn't say, okay, you know what? I'm done with you. <laughs> I'd be scared then. But if you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is still at work, then, then, then we can keep moving forward in faith, church. The problem is, for so many people, that the perspective of our lives looks like this. See that? At the top of my head? I'm just looking at myself. Right? If I get my way and the things that I want to see happen, this is all that I want. The only problem is that I can't control everything that I want. Right? If I want all of these things, this is for me. And if it doesn't go my way, then... Uh, that's what happens in this world. 
And so many things are out of our control. Like how well the San Diego Padres play. <laughs> I keep harping on the Padres. I actually like them. They're a pretty good team. But today, you know, I guarantee you, some large groups of people, some will rejoice, some will not. Right? And, and they allow their own desires for either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cincinnati Bengals or the San Francisco 49ers or the Los Angeles Rams to dictate how they feel. If my team loses, oh, that's because our perspectives are so narrow on our own desires. And you know what the Apostle Paul does here? He takes his eyes off of himself. He doesn't mention at all. By the way, I'm facing a death sentence, you know. You know what he says? He says, I thank my God every time, every time I remember you. And in all my prayers, I pray with joy. That's how we find joy church. And, and I don't know if you remember, last year I preached a message on, on joy. Some of you may not have been a part of this church at the time. And I used an acrostic with the letters of joy and, and I, I spent a lot of money to, to buy this uh, this sign. I don't know if you can read it in the back. It says joy. J-O-Y. There you go. Online. And this acrostic, it might seem cheesy to some people. It might seem like a cliche to some people. But, but there's some truth here. That when our focus, first, on J. Jesus, second, on others, and then on yourself, that, that you can actually find some joy living your life this way. Now, when you turn it around... <laughs> And, and, and you look at your needs first, and it doesn't turn out that way, you, you struggle with joy. I do. When, when I become selfish and self-centered, when, I, when, when, when life becomes all about what I want, I guarantee you those are some of the most challenging times of my life. Probably yours as well, too. And so, church... I want you to know that joy comes when we take our eyes off of ourselves. When, when we look to Jesus and then others and then, and then yourself. And so that's how the Apostle Paul, his prescription for joy is in this beautiful acronym. When he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers, I pray with joy. I love what Rick Warren said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you guys read that book. But there in the first chapter, in fact, the first sentence of the book is worth the cost of the whole book. If you buy the book and you read that first sentence, you can close the book and, and put it away. That's how good that first sentence is. You know what that first sentence says? It's not about you. <laughs> Period. What great words to read. It's not about you. And that's the purpose of our life. 
He goes on to say, it's, it's, not, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far more than the fulfillment of your happiness. If you want to know why you are placed on this earth, you must begin with God. When we find out what the purpose for why God created us and live out that purpose, I guarantee you, church, that's where joy comes. When you live your life for God. And so, the Apostle Paul says that he has this, this joy, because, verse 5 of Philippians chapter 1, I have this joy because of, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The Apostle Paul is filled with joy because of the partnership he has with the, the, the church there in Philippi. This word partner, such a good word here for us to know. It's an important word. And when you think about a partner, right, a business partner, a partner when you're playing tennis, or, you know, somebody that's standing alongside you, that's what our initial thought of what a partner is. But this word partner goes so much deeper. The word partner here is a word that if you've been in the church for quite some time, then you already know this word. It's the word koinonia. That's the word that Paul uses for partner. And then when I say the word koinonia, the first thing that comes to your mind is what word? Yes. No, I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> it's fellowship, right? We, you, you, we associate koinonia with fellowship. By the way, today after church, we're going to have some koinonia and some chili. Amen? I'm preaching fast so I can get done so we can eat. Okay? <laughs> I'm excited for that for today. This word koinonia that Paul uses here, it's not just partnership. It's, it's not like being alongside someone. It goes so much deeper than that. This word koinonia is the sharing together with. Like today, we're going to share koinonia and we have chili. I want you to share your chili with me. Right? <laughs> I'm going to have my spoon walking around. We'll do some koinonia. Oh, no, I won't do that. <laughs> but it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the church, of, of sharing life together. The Apostle Paul tells us that the koinonia, the sharing together that he has with this church in Philippi, is a very specific koinonia. It's centered around, not chili. It's centered around not even gathering together for fun. The partnership in the gospel of Jesus The koinonia, the gathering, is around something very specific. And it is around the sharing of the, the saving message that Jesus Christ brings into our lives. In a world where, where people... Are, are, are divided against one another in a world that, that people are separated and, and, and we're struggling to find unity, shouldn't the church be a place where that is lived out loud? Koinonia takes place. The unity, the sharing together, the living together, but not just over a gathering of fun, but over the saving message that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, church. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind in which we must be saved. We are, we ought to be united around this, this saving message that Jesus brings. Our fellowship and our unity should be found in our salvation. So the question is, are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? If you do, praise God. And you know what the good news is for us today? That if you don't, that you can have the assurance to know that Jesus saves you. That if you pray to accept Christ into your heart and into your life, but you're wondering, am I, am I there yet? Is this real? Is this happening in my life? There is assurances that we have. And you know what that assurance is? When the evidence of God is working in your life. And that evidence shows itself when our lives become more and more like the life of Jesus. That's evidence, church. That when you, when, when you ask Christ to come into your life, that you are no longer the same person you were before you accepted Jesus. Because if you are, and nothing's changed, I would say, hmm, I'm not sure. Honestly, only God can judge that, but I, I'm not sure. You know what the evidence is? That if you're saved, that you're not the same. That God is moving and working in your life. And the result of that is not just our piety or how good we can be. No. The evidence is that day after day goes by, my life looks more and more like the Jesus I read about and I know about from the Word of God. That, church, is evidence. Because later on, as we read deeper into Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus says these words, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Huh. Wow. Really? You mean, my attitude needs to be the same as Jesus's? That's the expectation. That when we become people of God, we start to look more like the Son of God. And that is the evidence of growth in ministry, in our faith, that reflects that Jesus truly is our Savior and our Lord. And I love what the Apostle Paul says here to the church in Corinth. I have a banner hanging up in my office. If you come by the church office and you walk into my office, the first thing you will see is this gigantic banner that's on the back of my office wall. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And this is where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which, which is, comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is the heart of what the product of our salvation should be. That we live in this freedom. And in this freedom, that we can live like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. Where, where we love just as Jesus loved. And we give just as Jesus gives. And we speak 
as Jesus spoke, and we serve the way Jesus served, and we forgive the way Jesus forgave. And when it comes down to the end, we're raised up to life in the same way Jesus was raised again to life. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. We have the great assurance of our salvation. And that assurance should bring us great joy. And that joy, my friends, you know how we can find joy as we walk in our faith? In salvation, we receive so many good things from God. Think about it. Take a moment to think about and remember when Jesus Christ came into your life. Just like Jesus came into the life of Lydia and the jailer, and they were filled with joy. Think about the time that you accepted Jesus into your heart. Take a moment to think. You guys online too, think about that. You know why there's so much joy? Because we receive some amazing things in our salvation. Truly amazing. Things we could not get anywhere else in this world, right? When we chose, when we, when we made the decision to follow Jesus, what did God give you? God gave to you His very, very, very best. He gave you, first of all, His grace. Undeserved. We didn't deserve any of it. He gave it freely. And that led to forgiveness. God freely shared His forgiveness in Jesus. And you know what we did? We received that forgiveness. Oh, forgive me of my sins, Lord. And we were forgiven. And we said, Jesus, come into my heart. And God gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And we accepted Christ as our own. And then, with Jesus, comes the promise of eternal life. And we said, thank you, Lord, for this great eternal life. And in all of that, what? Let me ask you this question. What did you give to God? You know what you gave God? Your sins that you wanted forgiven. Lord, take, take my sins. Forgive me of these wretched things that I have said and done. What else? That's why we're so joyful in salvation. We get so much from God. And we just give God our worst. <laughs> but when we grow in our faith, church, when we get to the place where we understand this divine love that God has for us, do you know what we want to do? What we ought to do? We ought to want to give God back exactly what He gave us. God gave us His best. That is what we are called to give. Our best of who we are. And so, church, today, my call for us as we mature in our lives is, if you've never received Jesus, I've got good news for you. All God wants to do is to give you His very best. And if you've received Christ already in your heart, then my call to you is to give God your very best. And that, that's what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, follow me. 
I'm asking for your very best. And I tell you what, church, you will find that when you have this beautiful, dynamic relationship with Jesus, you have assurance of salvation. No one can take from you. God's plan for our salvation is that we can be assured. But it's not just simply to have a happy and self-centered life. If that's your if that's your thought, that disappears quickly. The joy of our salvation comes when the perspective of our lives is that we see Jesus and serve Him first, then others, and then yourself. And the assurance of our salvation is the evidence that our lives are being transformed more and more into the life of Jesus. Where when we surrender, not just our sins, but when we surrender our very best to God, joy floods our hearts. Because the relationship we have with Jesus is one that we have given ourselves fully to. Oh, church, that is good news. My prayer is that today you will want to give your very best and your very best to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we look at Paul and his relationship with the church and this beautiful love that he had for these people, it was because of the great relationship that they shared with one another, but even more and above that, it was the relationship that they had with you. This divine, amazing joy that floods Paul's life, despite the fact that he's in some difficult circumstances, he can still have joy. May his example be for us today that we can experience joy when we take our eyes off of ourselves and look to you and how we can love you and serve you and serve others as well. And I pray, Father in heaven, that the partnership that we have with you and with one another, this divine fellowship that is found not just in our gathering together during fun times, but it is rooted in the unity that we have in our assurance and the, the, the salvation the assurance of our salvation, Lord God, where we, like the church in Philippi, we are being transformed into your image that our, even our attitudes, even our attitudes, Lord God, can be transformed into the attitudes that, we would, that you would have. Oh, Jesus, help us to do that. Because when our heart is right, our lives follow suit. Transform us. Today, if you're listening to this message, if you hear my voice, as we're praying, just everybody close your eyes. If, if there's somebody here today that has never accepted Jesus and opened your heart to him, and you would like to do that today, I want to pray with you. I want to ask the Lord flood your heart with the very best of everything that he has to offer. His grace, his forgiveness, his son, and the gift of eternal life. Oh, all that. 
God wants to get. If you would open your heart to Jesus today. Anyone want to do that today? Anyone want to say, today, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Open my heart to your son, Jesus, so that I can experience the very best that God has for me. Oh, dear Lord, come into the lives of those who seek you today. May your grace be sufficient for all of our needs. May your forgiveness, Lord, cleanse us. May the blood of Jesus cleanse us from sin. What in this world can wash away our sins? I can't think of anything but the blood of Jesus. So thank you for that, for what you did on the cross and for giving of your life so that we can live. Come in, Lord, we pray. That's our And church, for all of you who have opened your heart to Jesus, but you've withheld something, you're not ready to give your all yet. You haven't. But that's what God is waiting for. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you can trust God enough to surrender everything to Jesus to lay it down at the foot of the cross so that you hold nothing back and Jesus can have all of you because when he has all of you he can form you and fashion you and and, and then give you back the best of you so that you can live out the purpose for which he created you to be would you open your heart today to receive this prayer Father in heaven today my prayer for my church, your church, that, that we, Lord God, would give our full house to you. Because it's not really how much we have of Jesus that makes all the difference in the world. It's how much Jesus has of us. So, Lord God, we surrender all to you. We give you, Lord God, all of who we are. Open our hearts, Lord God. If there's anything that we're keeping from you, our pride, any anger or resentment, if there's hidden things, Lord God, reveal that so that we can surrender it to you. If anyone would become my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me. Help us daily, Lord God, day by day by day to become more like you, to pick up our cross daily, to live out our example to this world that maybe without even a single word, our lives can be transforming to others because you are living dynamically in us and your Holy Spirit is at work. And then when we use words, it would confirm the life that we're already living. Oh God, help us. Hear our prayers, Lord God. Your people are praying right now. Hear our prayers. I'll surrender to you. For surely we do love you. We honor you with our lives, Lord God. Be high and lifted up, we pray. In Jesus' name.